Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. It is Friday, December 10th. Thanks for joining us on the Can't Wait podcast. We were recording 10 a.m. today. If you're watching the stream on YouTube, we are just a few minutes late. We did pretty good. Of course. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. A lot to get to. Makai Becton, where he's going with his injury right now. The Jamal Adams trade that just keeps getting better. We'll get you ready for the Saints game as well. We have picks. Uh, We may talk about holiday decorating. We may get to that as well. But unfortunately, we have to start the show, Connor, with some Real sad news. Um, the, the Most of the NFL world, I think, woke up to this news, unless you're probably on the West Coast, but Demarius Thomas found dead in his Roswell, Georgia home Thursday night, 33 years old. The preliminary info showing that the death stemmed from a medical issue. The AP citing Thomas's sister saying that the death was caused by a seizure. Of course, Thomas finished his career with the Jets in 2019. Four-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion with the Broncos, Um, Just a a tremendous wide receiver. Peyton Manning on Twitter had this to say. DT was a better person than he was a player, and he was a Hall of Fame player. Former Broncos quarterback Peyton Manning said, along with that, that he uh, he treated my kids as if they were his own. He was there for every teammate's charity event as well. Never missed one. Connor, he was only a Jet. I said it for one season. He played 11 games. Uh, But do you have any memories of Demarius Thomas? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, he he wasn't the player with the Jets that he was with with the Denver Broncos for all those years. I mean, he was somebody that Adam Gase brought in here to help teach some of the younger receivers his offense, you know, because some of the best years that that Demarius had was running Adam Gase's system with Adam Gase. So when he was there, when the Jets lost Quincy and Nunwa, and then when they needed guys, uh, they they phoned the Patriots and and a rare Patriots Jets trade to bring. Demarius Thomas in here, not only for what he could do on the field, but also for what he could potentially bring to that locker room. And, you know, I, I can say that that when when Thomas was first acquired by the Jets, one of the first people that reached out to me was our Lindsay Jones. And she said, oh, my God, you're going to love him. And this was when we were still able to go in the locker room. This was still when we were still able to go and just BS with players and and talk to them. And, and you know, if there was an extra 20 or 30 minutes to kill, you could pick somebody and just go and talk to them. Not necessarily on the record, not necessarily for stories, but just about life. And I know with Demarius, he was one of those guys, after Lindsay told me, you're going to love him. The first time I saw him, I remember I was working on a story on Vincent Smith. And and Vincent and Demarius knew each other from their overlapping time with the Houston Texans. So I went up to, to Demarius. I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I, I get a couple minutes of your time? And that that smile that everyone keeps talking about, that that grin that everyone keeps talking about, instantly the guy flashed it to me. He's like, absolutely, man, come over. What's your name? I'm Demarius. Nice to meet you. I mean, you would have thought that that he and I went back 15 years the way that we talked. And, you know, he answered my two or three questions on Vincent Smith that I turned off the recorder. And for the next 
20, 25 minutes, the two of us just sat there in, in his corner locker, kind of back over there in the corner of the Jets locker room. And we just talked. You know, I talked to him about at that time, my girlfriend, Bree. I, I talked to him about life. I talked to him a lot about his journey and his career and some of the players he played for. I talked about what it was like to play with Peyton Manning, what it was like to play with Kyle Orton. You know, I had very similar conversations with him like I used to about Josh McCown because when Demarius Thomas was in his heyday was the the years when I was a kid in high school watching football. So his early years and and his his first years in the NFL, he was playing with the guys that I played with in Madden and playing with the guys that I watched on TV and the guys that I rooted for. And I loved as a as a just a football fan picking his mind about the players that I grew up watching and and he was one of those players that I grew up watching and he was one of, like I said, what, what people are saying about this guy being one of the nicest people in the locker room, what people are out there saying about this guy being one of this just, just the genuinely good people, I can say that probably the only person that holds a candle to, to the type of person that Demarius Thomas was, was Josh McCown. And, and Josh McCown and Demarius Thomas, over my many, many years covering the NFL, those are the two guys that, aside from just being good people, they were genuine people. They weren't talking to you because they thought uh, they thought of of how it could help their image. They weren't talking to you because of how they they felt it might benefit you or them. They were talking to you because they wanted to talk to you. And the minute that that recorder was on, or the minute the recorder was off, they invested in your time. And it's uh, I I know Demarius was like I said. It, there people always ask me a lot about like oh who are some of your favorite players to cover? Who are some of your favorite players to cover? And and you always give them like the ones that give the big names and stuff like that. But when it comes to like the actual just people aspect of it, Josh McCown and Demarius Thomas are the two at the top of my list because they were just genuine, real good people. And he came up through so much too. Um, the story has been told. It's out there. I think Lindsay wrote about it at one point too. You mentioned Lindsay um, that when he was in middle school, his mother and grandmother ended up going to jail uh, because of cocaine trafficking down in Georgia. Um, and it was his dream that his mom would get to see him play. And she ended up getting out, thanks in part to President Obama, uh, two weeks before the Broncos won that Super Bowl. And she was there. Uh, so really a cool moment there. And and he had that moment. But yeah, 33 years old, just too soon for a guy that everybody says was just a genuine great guy. All right, let's move on to the Jets and uh, we're going to talk a lot about injuries on this show because of just the Jets and also the Saints and what they've gone through. But kind of let's start with Makai Becton because it was supposed to be at the worst case scenario, eight weeks from the surgery until he was back. It's now been 11. You wrote about it a little bit this week, but what's going on? Are we going to see him at all this season? I mean, look, the, the Jets are holding out hope. That's what that's what Robert Sala said. Now, what, what I can shed light on is that people obviously are going to see that, that you know, Makai Becton is is still out. The Mekhi Becton isn't recovered. The Mekhi Becton isn't ready to come back and play and say, oh, he's he's too big, right? The weight's an issue. From my understanding, this is a conditioning problem, but this isn't a weight problem. The Jets are actually pretty happy with the number of of what he's at. Like they're, He's right around that like 360, 370, 380 range, which is where they want him to be. They're not upset with the number that he sees when he steps on the scale. The issue is that he still is a 370, 380-pound man that – for two, two and a half months, was unable to do anything. He wasn't able to run. He wasn't able to work out. He wasn't able to practice. So it's going to take a little bit longer for him to come back. Now, will we actually see Makai Becton this year? I don't know, man, because this is a guy that, that the most we've seen him do 
was jogging, sprinting, and his variation of high knees on the sideline, which SMY cameras picked up and, and tweeted out there. And Becton quote tweeted and said something like, you know, I, I need to, I need to, uh, uh, I wish you got me sprinting or something like that. So he's still coming along in his rehab. He's still progressing, but not like he's taken leaps and bounds. I mean, this is a guy that you would assume needs to practice at least one to two full weeks before you can consider putting him into the starting lineup in the middle of an NFL season towards the tail end of an NFL season, I should say. And right now, the extent of what this guy is doing is like we said, he's jogging, he's sprinting, and he's doing high knees. He's not doing individual drills. He's not doing positional drills. He's not working on a blocking sled. He's doing high knees, he's jogging, and he's sprinting. And we saw him do that on Wednesday. When we were out there on Thursday, yesterday, he wasn't even on the field. So he might have been working out in the field house. Maybe after you know the cameras picked up the uh, not-so-glamorous shot of him doing those high knees, he said, screw this, I'm not doing this outside, I'm going to go right. inside. Maybe that... Yeah, maybe that's what I mean. That's that's probably how I feel when people, you know, are at the gym. I'm like, I wish I could just do this with with no one watching me. But yeah, because you know, it's going to be tough for him, right? He knows what's going on. He knows when he was supposed to be back, according to the doctors. Yeah, I mean, he had the same thing originally. It was four to six. It was going to be out four to six weeks. They needed a second opinion, and then he needed the surgery, and then we needed the surgery. It became eight weeks. But now we're, you know, Tuesday was the eleventh week, eleven week anniversary of him getting that surgery. So we're closing in on a month past and we're going to be a month past that original uh, expected recovery date for him to come back and he's not even practicing so you figure this guy is probably I mean he's he's not practicing this week there's no sign from Robert Sala that he's going to practice next week so if he's not practicing last week or this week and he's not going to practice next week He's going to need at least two full weeks of practice before he returns to the field because he's now, I mean, we're not even at the at the practice shape. Like, forget football shape. He's not even in practice shape. He's working to get in shape to be able to practice. Then he needs to practice to get in football shape. Then he needs to play to get in real football shape. So we're probably still three or four weeks away from realistically thinking about Mekhi Becton actually playing in a game. And how many weeks are left in the season? Like, five? Like they just got what? They got this game against the Saints, then they got the Dolphins, then they got the Bucks and the Jags. I can't remember which order. And then they close things against the Dolphins. So that's what, five games left? Yeah. And it's like, so when is when is he actually going to be back out there? So in my opinion, I, I know that Robert Sala said he's hopeful. Robert Sala also said he's an optimist to a fault. Like he's told us that a billion <laughs> times in training camp. You know, I mean, I think that you know, he was still kind of kind of looking at the the bright side of things when the Jets had allowed you know like a billion points and 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 two thousand yards during that four game stretch a little bit ago. So I I think he's hopeful. He said he's remaining hopeful. He said he's doing everything he can to to you know just he's or you know he's, he's he he thinks we're still going to see him. I don't. I don't think we're going to see him. I don't. I don't know how we'll see him. I mean, and and even if you do, or even if he is ready to go out there in week seventeen or week eighteen. I mean, what are you actually going to gain from him? Because at that point, you've got a guy who hasn't played in 16 weeks. He's dealt with surgery. He really didn't have OTAs or minicamp because he dealt with a foot injury. So he had training camp, but not a full training camp because then he had a concussion. He had week one, but then he got hurt. Then he's been out for 17 weeks. I mean, it's like, what's the point in trotting him out there? He's going to be rusty. He's going to be banged up. He's going to be, I mean, you thought Zach Wilson was rusty after a month. This is Mekhi Beckton who hasn't played since week one. I mean, what's the benefit of trotting him out there? It's like, just sit him. 
just sit him and wait him. So I think within the next one or two weeks, I think once we get to like three weeks left in the season, I think that's when you'll have Salah say, look, we've just made the decision to sit him down. They're still holding out hope right now, but I think it's just misplaced hope and misplaced optimism because it, I, ju I just don't see how it's going to happen. And honestly, Tim, this just kind of opens up a, a another can of worms because what does this mean for the Jets offensive line moving forward? You know what I mean? Like, what does this mean for the Jets offensive line next year? Because the one thing that you wanted coming out of this year, and we talked about this so much with Sam, and we talked about this so much with Sam Darnold in, in that – you know, it's 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 not necessarily about him being a franchise quarterback. It's not necessarily about him not being a franchise quarterback. The whole point of the Jets season last year was just finding out, is he? You know what I mean? Like finding out definitively, is Sam Darnold a franchise quarterback? And if he is, great. If he's not, okay, at least you know, and you can move on. With Mekhi Becton, aside from franchise quarterback and aside from pass rusher, and you can make the argument that it is, it is as important as pass rusher, that left tackle spot is ridiculously important to a team's makeup. It is ridiculously important to the future of a team. It's that blind side protector if you're a right-handed quarterback. When the Jets drafted Makai Becton last year, I mean, they, they were like, all right, we think we've got our blind side protector. Look at his athleticism. We just got to harness it. We got to make sure he's mentally in because, you know, with, with Becton, that's what it is. I mean, there's no one as big as him. There's no one as strong as him. There's no one as athletic as him. It's just a matter of, does he want it? Does he want to be a great player or does he, is he comp, is he, you know, just complacent with where he is or does he want to be great? And if he wants to be great and he's not just saying he wants to be great, but with his actions say he wants to be great. Does he put in that work? Then he can reach the next level. Then he can be pro bowl. Then he can be all pro. Then he can be all world. That first year, the guy missed while he only missed technically two games he missed four games worth of snaps because Sam Darnold, if you remember, who missed a month with the shoulder injury at two different points, played more snaps last year than Mekhi Becton did. That's alarming, right? When, we, when Becton was on the field, I know he stole a ton of social media headlines and a ton of social media videos, and Brian Baldinger was fawning over him because he would blow up these tackles on, or blow up these uh, linebackers on sweeps and and take safeties out and and bulldoze guys. And, you know, if he got his, hand, his hands on you, it was basically like a suction cup because you couldn't get out, right? Like, like it was like all these highlights. But if you looked at, at everything other than the highlight, the mean of his performances weren't all that great. I mean, he did allow seven sacks last year. That's a lot. He struggled immensely with speed rushers. Going into year two this year, it was like, okay, well, Becton's back. He, he's got a year to work on it. He's going he's gonna to reach that all-pro potential this year. Well, he didn't practice in OTAs and minicamp because of the foot injury. And I don't know how else to put it other than he was awful in training camp. I mean, this wasn't minced words. I mean, the, the Jets' own offensive guard, I know I caught heat for, like, criticizing Becton, just like people catch heat when they criticize Denzel Mims during the summer. But their own offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, Booth LaFleur, Booth LaFleur, who now is like the, the, the apple of every Jet fan's eye, when we were in Green Bay, literally criticized him in a way that I've never heard an offensive coordinator criticize somebody before because he was so brutally honest. And we talked about it then. It's going to be the last time LaFleur is ever this honest. <laughs> but yep. he looked at it and he said, look, He's not playing good football right now. He's not playing as good as he wants to. He's dealing with some things. And it wasn't, you know, the Jets The Jets tried to paint this out of like, remember the, this whole argument we had back in the day where it was like, oh, he's, you know, Becton's struggling because no one's in pads. And that gives the advantage to the defense, right? Remember that storyline? Well, then the pads came on and Becton still sucked. 
Carl Lawson was still beating him three or four times. But then it was just, no, it's it's not the pads anymore. It's that Carl Lawson is just a matchup nightmare for Mekhi Becton. Well, then iron we went up sharpening there to, iron, right? Yeah, fucking Christ. <laughs> so then we went up to then we went up to Green Bay, right? And we're in Green Bay, and then suddenly it's not Carl Lawson he's going up against. It's literally power rushers like Preston Smith and random guys like number fifty five and number fifty six on Green Bay that I've never heard of before that are beating this guy again for three or four sacks of practice, and then he gets the concussion. And he's sidelined two weeks. Finally gets back there week one against the Panthers. He lets up a sack, which, again, if you want to say Zach held the ball too long, fine. But then he gets hurt with the knee. And now we haven't seen him. So we're going into 2021 and or the 2022 offseason, whether Becton plays one game or plays no games the rest of this way. We're going into 2022 with no clue if the Jets have a franchise left tackle on the left side or if they have a guy on the left side with a ton of talent but legitimate durability concerns. And I'm sorry, but if you are not on the field, if you are not a reliable offensive lineman, you're worthless. An offensive lineman's best trait is his reliability, and Becton has not shown that he can stay on the field. There were concerns because of his size with his ability to stay on the field in the NFL, and he's now dealt with shoulder issues, foot issues, a concussion, and now a knee issue. He missed a month his rookie year. He's missed at least 10 weeks in year two, and it's going to keep going. It's going to keep climbing. So now if you're Joe Douglas and you're going to 2022, what you want, and this is what we wrote this week, what you want is not more questions. What you want is not more concerns. What you want is not more issues. You want to look at your roster considering how many problems this team has and say, okay, at least I know I've got this. At least I know I have this. You know what I mean? Like the Jets can say, I know we have a slot receiver in Elijah Moore. I know we have our quarterback in Zach Wilson. I know we have a pretty good defensive line of defensive lineman in John Franklin Myers. I know we have a defensive tackle in Quinton Williams. I know we've got two linebackers in Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley. Like you want to cross off. So all the other things you don't have two safeties, a right guard, potentially a right tackle, another running back, a true number one receiver. Like you can now go into the offseason and say like, we don't have to worry about these because we have this, right? And we don't have to worry about this. We can focus on what we don't have. Instead, the player that the Jets selected in the first round one year ago. They don't know what they have in him because you can't make that argument. I'm sorry, nobody can be in this chat. Nobody can be on Twitter. No one can tell me without a doubt that Makai Becton is a Pro Bowl, All-Pro, the answer at left tackle because he hasn't shown he can stay healthy and he hasn't shown that he can perform at a high level week to week. Because he's still allowed seven sacks as a rookie, despite not playing a month, a month worth of snaps. He's still allowed seven sacks as a rookie, and he looked bad in training camp. And then he comes to this year, and he hurts his knee. So you can't say that without a doubt, no question in your mind, you have your answer at left tackle. Which means that Joe Douglas needs to go into this offseason putting contingency plans in place in case Becton's not the guy. And they're gonna Becton's going to be the starting left tackle last year, next year. Like there, There's no way they're just going to give up on their first-round pick. But you need to have contingency plans in place in case he either, one, gets hurt again because he's shown he can't stay healthy, or two, performs under expectations because he allowed seven sacks as a rookie and struggled immensely in camp this year before getting hurt. So you now need to go into next year saying, okay, if, if, if the Jets had, Becton had played this entire year and Becton had, you know, I'm not saying he was an all-pro, but say you were like, you know what, that's a really good left tackle we've got, or we got a good left tackle. Maybe he's not all-pro, maybe he's not all-world, but he's good. Like, we know we've got at least good on the left side. We know he can play 17 games. We know what we've got. The Jets can cut George Fant, and they can save themselves $10 million. 
They can bring back Morgan Moses on the right at, at right tackle. They can then say, okay, we've got left tackle in Becton. We've got left guard solidified. We've got center solidified. We need to find a right guard. But now when we bring Morgan Moses back, we've at least got a a a um stopgap at right tackle. So now we can focus on finding another pass rusher, cornerback, two safeties, number one receiver, all these different things. But because of the issues around Makai Becton, the Jets need to go into 2022 and say, we need to also prepare for the situation. He either gets hurt again or he's not good. So instead of cutting George Fant and saving all that money, maybe it makes sense to save George Fant. Bring him back on $10, $11 million and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to use him as, as contingency in case Becton is bad. Or contingency in case Becton goes back down. Because Fan has shown this year he can play left tackle in the NFL. He's shown he can be a serviceable left tackle. Morgan Moses, whom the Jets got off the bargain by, he's not going to be a premier signing. But if you have if you have uh, Fant back and he's the backup for Becton, you also need to bring Morgan Moses back because if Fant has to play left tackle, who are you going to have play right tackle? Connor McDermott? No. Chuma Adaga? No. So now you got to pay a premium to bring back Morgan Moses. That money that you're going to be paying to keep Fant and bring back Moses that's going to dip into the funds that you could use to go out and sign a free agent tight end. Like maybe O.J. Howard. Maybe Jacecki if he goes out there. Maybe uh, Schultz from Dallas. You can use that money to go sign it, but now that money's going to be tied up elsewhere. Because remember, you also have to address safety. You also have to address corner. Instead of, of being able to take the money that you save on, on fan and, and some other things, that you could, like when you cut uh, Greg Van Roten and you cut, um, uh, when you cut Greg Van Roten and when you cut uh, Ryan Griffin and others, the money that you can save there that you can then take Nathan Shepard, you can then take and say, okay, maybe we'll make a run at Devontae Adams. Now it's like, well, are we going to really be able to do that? Because now we got to focus on making sure we have this offensive line still in place. Those two first round picks the Jets have that right now are number four and number five, probably no matter what happens, are going to still be two top 10 picks. You could say, if you knew you had your left tackle, all right, we're going, we could go with that, that center from Iowa or whatever it is. The guy who keeps killing, who can play center or guard. We can do what Dane did with the tackle that can play right tackle or right guard. Like, all right, we can do that. We can do it. But now suddenly, if you're sitting there and Neil is there, that tackle from Alabama, and you're like, you know what? We think he's going to be a better player than Becton. We think he's going to be more reliable than Becton. Does it make sense to draft that guy and put him on the left side and move Becton to the right side? Like, the, what the Jets want to do, and just going back to this last point, is the Jets want to eliminate variables. We've said that so many times on the show, usually centered around Sam Donald. You want to eliminate the unknowns. Becton's injury has just added another unknown. And unfortunately for the Jets, it added another unknown at a massively important position, which is a shame. Yeah, and it makes that 2020 draft class look that much worse as it just keeps oh, seemingly getting yeah. getting worse pick by pick. All right, we're going to be back in a bit to talk about the Jamal Adams trade. Uh, good news and why they're going to have those great picks. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and the Saints and picks more coming up after this. All right, welcome back. Uh, the Saints are coming on Sunday. Uh, it's two teams that are just having rough seasons. New Orleans has lost five in a row. Nobody has had more injuries than that team. Jameis Winston, Michael Thomas, Ingram, Kamara. Uh, the line, Both of their lines are devastated by injuries. Pro bowlers missing. It's just been a rough go, and it's shown in how it's going uh, for that team as they're out of the playoff race right now. Uh, on the Jets side of things, we talked about the fact that Corey Davis is going to be out, Connor, but now Elijah Moore probably going to miss this game as well. We we want to see Zach Wilson make progress, but it's tough when you start to take these weapons away week by week. Yeah, you know, when, when you and I, Tim, were talking about this and, and Marissa uh, on Monday or Tuesday, whenever we did the first episode of the show, um, you know, we were talking about because Corey Davis had just been ruled out. So, yeah, so we did it Tuesday because uh, Salah told yeah. us all that on Monday. Um 
And we were like, yeah, look, I mean, this might actually have the the possibility to help him some, you know, because like we, we compared it to when the Giants lost Shockey and when the Lions lost Calvin Johnson, where those quarterbacks who would happen to have tunnel vision for one guy, like I like their focus wasn't necessarily making the offense work, but let these guys eat first, then we can get everyone else the ball. Uh, to an extent, I mean, Russell Wilson's kind of more solidified in his status. It doesn't matter, but it was that game uh, against uh, the Seahawks game a couple of uh, a week or two weeks ago where he wasn't getting the ball to DK Metcalf. And you could see Metcalf was like, why am I getting thrown the ball? Wilson's like, we're just working within the structure of the offense. It was going to work because it was like, all right, you know, this might help while Corey Davis isn't that diva receiver who demands it in any way, shape, or form. He is not that guy. Um he was the guy that, that Zach was was signaling in on. Is like, I just want to get him the ball. And it was because of the, his reliability and things of that nature. With him out, we were like, all right, sweet. Now he's just going to spread the ball around. Now it's going to go to Cole. It's going to go to Mims. It's going to go to Crowder. It's going to go to the most explosive player in this offense, Elijah Moore. And now with this quad injury, which Salah has said is day-to-day, but I think you know a guy could have his leg amputated and Salah would say it's still day-to-day you're now losing two major pieces. I mean, you're not only losing your most reliable player in Corey Davis, but you're now losing your best offensive weapon in Elijah Moore. That's going to be a tough one for Wilson to deal with because this Saints defense is still good. You know, they're dealing with their injuries. They're dealing with problems over there. Obviously, New Orleans isn't as good as it's been, but that is still a good defense. That defense still has playmakers. That defense still has players. That's still a defense for the most part is still a pretty well-oiled machine that's just now dealing with the fact that the other side of the ball is playing without a quarterback. I thought Zach Wilson could survive without Corey. I don't know if Zach Wilson can survive and continue to have the type of success that he did in the first half of the Eagles without Elijah Moore. Because a big part of that success was getting the ball to Elijah Moore in space, letting him Elijah Moore make plays, letting the defense fear Elijah Moore over the top. I don't see, I mean, look, this receiving core with with Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims, it's still immensely better than what Sam Darnold worked with last year, but it's not exactly a thing that's going to help a young quarterback. I mean, these guys are, are all really number two, number threes out there now, and that's not good. You know, Elijah Moore was the game changer. Elijah Moore was the game breaker. Corey Davis was your reliable player. You can survive without one of them. It's tough to survive without both of them. You know what I mean? And it's the one thing that I'll go back to is it, it's almost like, when it's another Giants analogy, but like when the Giants lost Jeremy Shockey and you know the offense still found a way to make it better, they won the Super Bowl. The next year, the Giants traded Shockey away, but then Plaxico shot himself. And so now you had an offense that wasn't necessarily without Jeremy Shockey, but was also without Burris. The Giants could survive without Shockey. They couldn't survive without Burris. They were knocked out in the first round of the playoffs by the Eagles. The Jets can survive without Corey Davis. I don't think the offense can survive without Elijah Moore and Michael Carter and some of the other, like it's the injury depletion. So we're going to see if he can practice today. The Jets should be on the field and it's, you know, it's 1030, it's 1040 right now that we're recording this one. So the Jets should be on the field in about an hour. We'll see from uh, Robert Sala, who's going to talk at, I think it's 11 o'clock. We might actually start talking in a couple minutes here. Uh, what he'll say about the status of Elijah Moore. We'll update it in real time if it comes across my Twitter. Um, but if he's out, it's going to be a tough one for for the Jets to deal with. And remember, soft tissue issues like that quad injury, I mean, they're, they're very rarely do you tweak that and you're just fine. Usually tweak that and that's a one or a two-week thing. I mean, when he tweaked it in, in training camp, Moore was out two weeks. And if he's out two weeks with Davis out the year, that's tough. 
that's a uh, that's a tough one. Now, I mentioned all the injuries that the Saints have, so many of them on the offense. So the way this team's playing right now, do you think this is at least a chance for the Jets' defense to – we keep talking about it. They're coming, Connor. Is it a chance for them to take a step closer to, to being here? I mean, look, if they, if they play well against a team that's without so many of their starters, like, yeah, I, I think that um, there's the the – chance that you see a good defense but again i mean playing like my whole thing with the defense is that like playing well against shit opponents doesn't mean anything like okay you 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 were able to keep Taysom hill in check okay you were able to keep you know four interceptions last week yeah and and salah said he hurt his finger and and a large number of them were because of that but uh and the finger's fine now uh is what salah said based off his information but i I mean i just i don't know man like i i just i I've said this before. We talked about it in length on Tuesday. The fix for this defense isn't coming because they're playing a, a team that's banged up. The fix for this defense isn't coming because they play crap teams. I mean, beating up on crap teams and having a defense that looks good against bad offenses, like the Texans, it doesn't matter. You need to be able to beat the good teams. You need to be able to shut down the good teams. You know, you need to be able to go out there against the teams that are playoff contenders and keep games to within one possession going into the fourth quarter and then hope your offense takes over after that. So, I, I'm 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 just going to reiterate it is that the fix for this defense isn't coming this season. The fix for this defense isn't coming off the injury report. The fix for this defense isn't on somebody else's practice squad or waiver wire. The fix for this defense is a March in free agency fix and a May during the NFL draft fix. That's when the Jets are going to get their defense back to playing good football as they need players. They need guys to that are on the injured reserve to come back like Carl Lawson and they need to add an influx of talent and devote assets to this defensive side of the ball like they haven't in recent memory. We talked a bit earlier in the week about just the Seattle pick in general and how good it's gotten. But then since then, Connor, more news out of Seattle. Jamal Adams now done for the year with a shoulder injury. I mean, Pete Carroll actually said after the news that it, he still considers it a good trade for the Seahawks. Yeah. I'm not sure how you can do that. But the two first, you think about last year and they used the two picks, the first rounder and the later pick that as part of the deal to move up to get Elijah Vera Tucker. So right now you can put that. I would say just that, right? Elijah Vera Tucker for Jamal Adams, Jets win. And now yeah. you're going to throw in a Probably. potential top a potential top five pick this year, and Jamal Adams is now missing the rest of the year on a team that has just fallen apart. I mean, this trade just keeps getting better by the day. You know, when and I wrote about this this week, when, when teams and general managers make trades involving future draft picks, what they do is, is they, they project where they believe that pick is going to fall. And then they say, like, okay – would we want to trade this player for these picks? And and when the Jets traded Jamal Adams for those two first-round picks, Joe Douglas felt that the Seahawks were going to be Super Bowl contenders both those years. So with them being Super Bowl contenders, Joe Douglas believed those two first-round picks that he was trading Jamal – with them basically two first-round picks, but he was trading Jamal Adams for, they were going to be – Mid to late 20s, potentially 30, 31, 32. Like, that's how good he thought the Seahawks were. That's where he thought those draft picks were going to be. And in year one with Jamal, it kind of played out that way. Now, I will say that that the Seahawks, with Jamal Adams, won exactly one more game than the Seahawks without Jamal Adams. The Seahawks, with Jamal Adams, failed to win a playoff game. The Seahawks, without Jamal Adams, went to the second round of the playoffs and lost a close one to the Packers. So... The Seahawks, you can make the argument even last year, got worse despite the fact they won one more regular season game with Jamal Adams than they were without Jamal Adams. That's neither here nor there. Going into this season, 
Jamal, uh, Joe Dallas expected very similar. He expected the same 10 to 12 wins. Do they go on a playoff run? If they do, maybe they win a game. Maybe they're bouncing the first round. Maybe they go all the way to the Super Bowl. So we thought mid-20s again. They were still willing to sign up for that. They were getting Bradley McDougal as a stopgap starter. They were getting, I think it was like the extra third-round pick as well, right? Because they packaged that to go up to get Elijah Vera Tucker. So they were getting an extra third-round pick and then two first-round picks in the 20s. Because of the current state of the Jets, maybe the Jets weren't going to get superstars with those uh, those tw- those picks in the 20s, but they could either use them as a package deal to move up and get get a superstar like they believe they did with Elijah Vera Tucker, or just draft good football players and really good football players. Because again, this roster was so defunct of talent that you could just they just needed players, and this was a mean to get another premier player and another really good football player in the team. The fact that the Seahawks have endured what they have endured this year with Russell Wilson missing like two months of football, Jamal Adams landing on the injured reserve, the defense being an utter disaster, and that team sitting right now 4-8 and eight with very, very losable games coming up. Three more losable games against like the Rams, Cardinals, the Bears aren't exactly an easy one. I mean, there's a very, very good chance that this team finishes 6-11. and 11. There's a chance this team finishes 5-12. and 12. And those a couple extra wins from four will probably put this pick somewhere between like seven, eight, nine. The Jets will basically trade a Jamal Adams for a guard that they believe is an all pro. And the number seven, number six, number five pick in this year's NFL draft. That is just ridiculous. Like absolutely ridiculous. And again, they gave up a box safety. The Jets were no, the Jets were no closer to the playoffs with Jamal Adams than without Jamal Adams. The Seahawks went and added Jamal Adams, and they won one additional game. And they lost in the first round of the playoffs. So they took Jamal Adams, an all-pro player, and they put him on that defense. And because of the position he plays and the style of play he plays, he doesn't make that much of a difference on game days. He's a good piece to have. He's a great football player. But he doesn't impact, which is what we said during this whole Jamal Adams saga and all that stuff, is that he doesn't impact a game like a left tackle, like a pass rusher, or like a lockdown corner. If Jamal Adams was was this kind of physicality and then also had the coverage skills of Ed Reed, then we'll talk. If he was actually intercepting passes, then we'll talk. But this guy doesn't intercept passes, and I'm sorry, an Aaron Rodgers throw-up in the fourth quarter, or an Aaron Rodgers throw-up, I'm sorry, not in the fourth quarter, but an Aaron Rodgers throw-up in a game that the Packers still won, and a play that just happened to fall in Jamal Adams' hands. Those aren't interceptions. Jamal Adams couldn't cover you or me. Fact. He couldn't cover Michael Dunn, the tight end. Like he could not, like he could. How about the Michael Dunn in our chat? Maybe, maybe. no. Uh, I don't know. He seems agile. I think, yeah, I think Michael <laughs> Dunn in the chat's agile. Um, so he, like, he just, he, like, he can't cover. So he's not an impact, like, he's a, he makes impactful plays and he makes highlight plays, but he's not an impactful player when it comes to winner losses. So if you had him on a rookie deal, he's a great player because you have him on a rookie contract and you're, you're adding him to a defense that's filled out. When you got to pay him like $15 million a year, it adds a little bit more. So the Jets, Traded away a safety that doesn't really make a difference between wins or losses. Got an all-pro guard and then the number seven pick in the draft. Yeah, there you go. So, like, I, I that's the difference. Like, that is that is what Joe Douglas traded away. Now, obviously, the key in all of this, Tim, and it's 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 a big key, is that the Jets have to pick the right players. Because if they have another draft like they did in 2020, where it's Makai Becton, Denzel Mims, P. Ryan, James Morgan, Jabari Zuninga, all these guys that aren't playing, and then occasionally you get a Bryce Hall, like that's not going to cut it. So with wherever this Seattle pick falls, whether it's seven, eight, nine, six, five, four, wherever the hell it ends up, 
they need to find a Pro Bowl player there. They need to find an all-pro player there. They need that. They need another Elijah Vera Tucker, who they believe Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be. And if you can get that player, and you will have traded Jamal Adams for Elijah Vera Tucker and another Pro Bowl player, that is a fleecing like I've never seen. Because again, the Seahawks with Jamal Adams are no better. The Seahawks with Jamal Adams were a first-round knockout. The Seahawks with Jamal Adams won one additional game the first year and then have imploded this year. And now you're talking about Russell Wilson leaving. You're talking about Schneider potentially leaving. You're talking about Pete Carroll potentially leaving. Could you imagine if Jamal Adams, who stomped his feet, and once he was traded to Seattle, is sitting there telling their media, sorry, guys, I'm not used to this. I'm used to vacationing this time in the playoffs. I'm used to taking this off. Talking, Going on the Patrick Peterson podcast and just going absolutely out of his mind over the fact that the Seahawks are so much more fun than the Jets because they play music in the locker room. And two years later, the year after he signs his massive contract, the Seahawks trade away Russell Wilson and go into a full-on rebuild. Joe Douglas and Adam Gase somewhere in Miami are going to be laughing their ass off because that guy just crucified them his way out of town. And he crucified the entire Jets franchise. And he's, oh, I got to go to Seattle. I got to go win. I'm so depressed. He was, he was apparently he was sitting in dark rooms without his phone. No Twitter. I remember that was a big thing. No Instagram or Twitter. Sitting in dark rooms depressed because he played for the Jets. And now he's going to go to a situation in Seattle where I'm sorry, it's worse than the Jets. If they trade away Russell Wilson, that is a worse situation than the Jets because they don't have the picks to turn it around. And you have no franchise quarterbacks. Now you're in the franchise quarterback looking spree. Who are you going to turn to? Geno Smith? Marcus Mariota in free agency? Who's going to be that team's quarterback that's going to be any better than Russell Wilson? Nobody. They're going to be a bad team in one of the most challenging, difficult divisions in football. But at least they play music in the locker room. So that's going to be, that's going to be something to watch. That's going to be well, something to watch. Lo- but. He's also got a lot of money to spend. So I'm yeah. sure he'll be. But, you know, he'll you, be you a- did make this point, though, Tim. And this is true. This is the last point I'll say on this. Is that you did say, like, even if the Jets just get Elijah Vera Tucker, and Elijah Vera Tucker is a Pro Bowl player and an All-Pro player and All-Pro guard, I, can ma- I would make the argument that that's more important than a safety. Like, if he's a Pro Bowl guard, that is more important to the Jets than having Jamal Adams on his second contract. Like, it really is. Because he was a phony. Like, yeah. like everyone, like, oh, Jamal Adams the leader. Jamal Adams wasn't a leader. Jamal, he wasn't. No one, no one in that locker room legitimately looked at him as a captain. No one in that locker room legitimately looked at him as a leader. You know what they thought was a leader? They thought Marcus May was a leader. They thought Foley Fatukasi was a leader. They thought, they thought to an extent, C.J. Mosley was a leader before he got hurt. They didn't think Jamal Adams was a leader. Jamal Adams said he, the only reason people thought Jamal Adams was a leader was because Jamal Adams said, I'm a leader. The only reason people thought of Jamal Adams was because he sat there and the only people reason people listened to Jamal was because he talked louder than every other player in the locker room. That's why. It wasn't because he was actually a leader. It wasn't because people actually followed him. His screaming and yelling and incessant bullshit drove players nuts. They tuned him out by his last year there. They didn't listen to him. So the Jets traded that for already a player they believe is an all-pro guard and now a top 10 pick in this year's NFL draft. If the Je- if Joe Douglas su- succeeds in picking another Pro Bowl player there, holy hell, what a fleecing. I mean, damn. Yeah, we'll see if they can do it. All right, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back with much more. All right, welcome back. Uh, we have picks. We have... Why are the Connors Ravens ranking. plus three? Is, is Lamar Come. Jackson out? Did I miss this? You see yeah, this that one was, I but was confused by that one too. Marissa, you should have I mean, it's, I mean, it's in Cleveland, so 
That doesn't mean yeah. shit. I saw two and a half though. I didn't that, see that three, whole like but either way, I saw it's so Cleveland overrated. Pit. Like that's not that's yeah. not. I mean, unless you're West Coast to East Coast, that doesn't matter. But like for the Browns, I to mean, be- that's how they do it. I don't. I'm not Vegas. The bill, the Bills Bucks is only a three point. I was gonna, you know, I was gonna take Ravens. Yeah. You know, actually, I'm gonna do that for Michael Dunn. That's one of my picks because you know the the Browns are gonna cover outright as soon as I do this. So I'm I'm doing my picks at the moment. But yeah, I'm sorry to ruin that, Tim. I just I didn't know if Lamar was out. No, that's all right. We can jump right into it. The uh, the picks, of course, from BetMGM. That's where we get the Lions, partner of The Athletic. We appreciate them. And Connor, you want to go first since I no. think you're two picks in already? I don't. You know? I'm only one in. Okay. Marissa, all go right. first. So just to break down the standings, uh, Marissa just strengthening the lead last week. Two and one for her. You're 20 and 16. Uh, I was, oh no, Connor was 0 and 3. Yeah, I was. 16 <laughs> yeah. and 20. Uh, you have almost dropped. Back to me, Connor. I am 15, 20, and one after going one and two. Just, yeah. It's just been a rough go. But Marissa, you are the highlight of these picks, so you get to go first. Thank you. Um, okay, I am going to start. Um, this is a big spread, but Sunday night, um, Packers versus Bears, uh, 12 and a, Packers minus 12 and a half. I just think the Packers, that, that I'm, I'm confident on the Packers with that big spread, but I, I need do a big get a Aaron Rodgers performance to uh, to get into the fantasy playoffs. So yes, big week for fantasy playoffs. Um, I'm in I'm in second place, so I'm, I have a buy. But uh, I'm going for the points total, and because we have a bonus in our, our fantasy football league, if you're uh, the points leader, so I'm holding on by eight, an 18 point lead. But no one cares about my fantasy team. Okay, next I'm going Titans. So this was a nine point spread yesterday, but it's eight and a half right now. Titans minus eight and a half versus the Jaguars. I know the Titans have been up and down lately, but um, they're they're fighting for that uh, top spot in the AFC. So I'm going to go Titans minus eight and a half. And then this one I'm a little nervous about because after the Bills' terrible offensive performance last weekend versus the Patriots, but they're going down to play uh, the Buccaneers and t- and uh, Tom Brady. I don't know. I just I just think the Bills have a lot more issues than we can see. So I'm going to go Buccaneers minus three and a half. I think we're all going to go with that one. Uh, Connor, you're up next. Yes. Uh, So I'm going to go with first. I am going to stick with that same pick that Marissa just had. I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus three and a half versus the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I've been on the Bills bandwagon for quite some time. Uh, Bill on the Josh Allen bandwagon for quite some time. Sometimes when you drink too much of your own Kool-Aid, you can't get off the toilet. And I have a feeling that I've the Buffalo, never I'm gonna heard that phrase I think I just me. I made that up in my head. I was like, you drank too much Kool-Aid. I was like, and then, yeah. So what? I'm just going to I don't think that that's one. actually a thing. You know what? Hey, like, hey, Kool-Aid? you know what? We were just, we're talking about that merch. Is that true? That's our first saying on the merch. That's our first saying on the merch. No drink too much of your Kool-Aid. No. Can't get off the toilet. I no. guarantee Not iron sharp chat, iron. get my back. I guarantee you, you look at this chat and people will buy that shirt. You put that shirt up for 20 bucks. People will buy that. No. That, I'm I not against the shirt. I'm against can't wait. the can't fact wait on that the drink too much of your Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid on the back. Can't get off the pot. Here, great comment from podcast. Michael Dunn in the chat. That was literally a load of crap. Exactly. Agreed. <laughs> no, Give us your next no, pick, people would buy that. I've just people never experienced this Kool-Aid digestion problem. Well, I, well it's more about. like That's you the... have to pee all the If you drink too much liquids, you have to pee. Okay. I wasn't talking about okay. the other one. Like All number right. two, I was thinking about number, number one, number one, number but you one. can't say like, okay. but I had to, you can't get off the pot. I was trying to make it more, um, gender, not gender exclusive. Cause if I said like, you're, yes. you're, you're standing over the pot that just totally cancels out all women unless you're right. like really no, talented. That's fair. And so it's like <laughs> this, like, I don't know if I, I, you, know, you have to sit unless I don't know, oh, maybe man. you don't, but All right. I, 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 your I'm second not getting pick. into genetics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
yeah. So anyway, uh, I do like the the Buccaneers just because I think the that um, the the Bills are floundering, and it's going to be after that brutal loss to the Patriots, where you know I know no one wanted to say embarrassed. I don't. Oh, stop it! You're only picking the one person instead. They're not going to buy it. Damn it! Literally, no right, well, one that's in it. the I'm chat said they will buy this shirt, Connor. No, they're just, that's just because they they that's just oh that's a lie. I don't believe it. I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna create a a, um, a burner can't wait podcast commenting account and say I would buy ten of those shirts. Those are just the latest right four chats that said no way. Damn it! Not one person said yeah, they'd buy no that way. shirt. No. No. Ugh. Okay. That's upsetting. Yeah. Anyway, well if I'll think of I'll get better. I'll think of someone. I'm not totally through my coffee yet. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think the Browns are, or the 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 uh, Bills are floundering. I don't know how you bounce back after that loss to the Bills. Um, the Buccaneers are a very good team. They're rolling. They're trying to lock up number one in the NFC. Uh, they're they're trying to obviously they're, they're starting to hit their stride. This always happens with Tom Brady teams. You know, they start a little slow in the beginning, then they hit their stride and they're firing on all cylinders by the end. I don't see how the Bills win that game. I mean, they're talented enough, but I just don't see. I mean, I think there's just too much going wrong with them right now. So give me Tampa Bay minus three and a half. Thank you, Harley. Uh, give me Tampa Bay minus three and a half. Harley Hauer, a.k.a. Connor's mom. Yeah. yeah. The other one that I just don't, I mean, we were just saying this. I don't understand the line at all is Baltimore plus three at the Cleveland Browns. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I don't think with Baker Mayfield, the Browns are that great of a team. I think that they are wildly talented on the second team offensive line. I think they're wildly talented with their jumbo tight end package. Uh, but when it comes to that quarterback, there are, there are some, there are some issues with Baker Mayfield. So uh, I like the Ravens plus three, um, which probably means that you guys should all just absolutely bet your mortgages on the Browns, because every time I pick a Browns game, it goes the other way. If I pick the Browns, they don't cover. If I pick against the Browns, they, they do cover. So everyone hammer the Browns at this point, but I'm going to take Baltimore plus three. And the other one that I like a lot is the team that's hitting their stride. I know everyone's talking about the uh, the the New England Patriots being the the cream of the crop in the AFC right now. Do not sleep on the Kansas City Chiefs. That defense is playing some remarkable football as of late. Pat Mahomes is getting back. They're getting healthy with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They got a good backup in Williams there. They got a ton of weapons on offense still. Kelsey's starting to hit stride. The offensive line's going to be good. That's a juicy, thick line at 9.5 versus the Raiders. Basically, just means they need to win by a touchdown and a field goal. I like the odds of that happening. I do. I, I really think Kansas City minus nine and a half is a good play. I think the Raiders are starting to have all of the drama of this year between Ruggs and Gruden and everything else. I think it's starting to take a toll on them. They're also going to be without Waller this week. So give me the Chiefs minus nine and a half to uh, to run it on the Raiders. So my picks are Chiefs minus nine and a half, Tampa Bay minus three and a half, and Baltimore plus three. I will say that the way that my life usually works is that if I have a very good fantasy season, my picks are trash and the reverse of it. I'm having a good fantasy season, so... My picks have been trashed, so feel free to fade me too. If you, I'm having both, so way. I'm having you know. Oh yeah, and you're getting married. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The year of Marissa. <laughs> the year of Marissa. Uh, <laughs> minus nine and a half of the Chiefs. Like that would have been enticing, except they burned me so many times this year that I, I'm just no not going near that team anymore. Um, so we're all taking the Bucks minus three and a half. So definitely take the Bills if you're out there. Uh, that game that just seems. I don't know. The way the Bills are playing, minus three and a half in Tampa Bay, it just seems like a, an easy one to me, and we all went with it, so obviously we all agree, but we'll see what happens. Usually Vegas knows more than we do. Um, I'm actually going to take the Jets, plus five and a half, Ooh. but, can't, but, 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 if Elijah Moore, if they say he's out, I may text you guys with a replacement pick, because I, I think they could do it with Elijah Moore, but if he's out, I'm most positive I may have he's to, gonna be out. Yeah. I may so have that's... to substitute. All right. Yeah. 
Anyway, we'll we'll let people know. And then uh, the last one I have is Cowboys minus four at the Washington football team. Um, just feels like an opportunity for that offense to get rolling for the Cowboys in that one. Um, one more thing to get to, Connor, is um, you're ranking movies again. Yeah, I am. So I actually I, uh, thought this was funny because I know you've been doing it for a while, but uh, who was it? Somebody from one of our regular uh, listeners from the chat tweeted at you and just said, don't do it. And you had already started. Oh, yeah. Well, this is remember we did this during quarantine because we didn't we had to do the shows still during quarantine. Like we, we still had to do one a week and literally nothing was happening. So we started making it a segment when I rewatched all of the uh, the Marvel movies. So I went through and I, I rewatched them all. And then uh, and and I ranked them and and this was after I think Star Wars or before or I did Marvel and then I did Star Wars and people got so viciously angry at me for doing this and that just made me want to do it even more and then so I would block the people that were like go back to watch a Star Wars you nerd and I'm like all right block like I was doing I, it got it got I mean I really actually you know what I'm thinking I'm gonna do I'm gonna let everyone out of jail today I'm gonna let all all of the people that are blocked I'm gonna let them all out of jail today and we're gonna see how long that lasts before they all get blocked again. A random Friday, December 10th unblock party. I'm going to let every single person I've ever blocked out of jail. So they're all coming free. Um, and the there's holiday spirit. Yeah, there you go. My Christmas present to all Jet fans is I'm unblocking you before the Saints game when I'm certainly going to send criticisms out and you're going to get reblocked. But everyone's going to get unblocked today. Um, but yeah, so I, I went back to the, the Marvel. I, I finally got a chance. I didn't realize that they put that Shang-Chi, uh, The Legend of the Ten Rings on um, Disney+. Plus. So that's like the next one after uh, um, um, uh, the latest Spider-Man one that obviously is not with all like the one that isn't out yet. But the, I forget, like Far From Home or No Way Home Far or whatever the yeah. whatever the, the most recent Spider-Man movie that is actually out. I forget the name of it. Uh, so I went, I watched Shang-Chi and honestly, it was pretty good. I thought the action was great. Um, I thought it, it, it brought me back to a character that I did not know much about. I didn't really un- know his backstory. I thought the acting was great. I thought that the his his best friend, the girl, Katie, I thought she was an excellent component to the show um, or to the movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I liked the storyline. I wish there was a little actually more storytelling. So because, I again, I didn't know the character. So I wish there was a little bit more storytelling to give me the background on him. So I kind of knew more about him. But what they removed from storytelling, they added in with basically nonstop action. So uh, I thought it was great. I'm going to be fascinated to see how he works into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how he works in with the Avengers and all that stuff. But uh, I was a fan of the movie. I placed it in uh, my rankings at number 11. Uh, just going through the first top 10 was Infinity War 1, then Endgame, Winter Soldier, The Avengers 1, uh, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man Homecoming, Iron Man, Age of Ultron, and then Shang-Chi. Honestly, though, like someone's like, how is that so low? In my opinion, when you get like these top 12 movies, even top 13, if you want to loop in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, these are spectacular movies. Like they are spectacular, great movies. And it's really splitting hairs to differentiate between like top five and top six and top seven. But I enjoyed the movie a lot. It was a great watch. I thought the special effects were great. Fighting was awesome. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he works in and uh I got to find a way to get my tickets to go see Spider-Man because I feel like I might have dropped the ball a little bit there. I was trying to find someone to go with me and no one would. I think my you're, friends you're work. Uh, my sister is my sister's a teacher. My sister Madison won't come with me because she has class the next day. My friend Brendan's like got work the next day. So I think I might just have to. Why you know, don't you ask all the people uh, that you Bria. unblocked today? Yeah, the unblock party. I'll see. Yeah. And, and then we'll see if I, I don't get shanked on my way to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. I don't think all the people that I blocked, I feel like being in a dark room with. 
to be honest with, <laughs> with you. Your rankings, <laughs> your your rankings for these movies, I would say far better than your Star Wars rankings. Although I will say Black Panther 14 feels super I honestly low. didn't like Black Panther that much. I mean, I like the no. character of Black Panther. Uh, my problem was like I thought that the movie was flawed. Like like Killmonger, they're like they like hate Killmonger, right? Like oh he's the villain. He did nothing wrong. He showed up. He challenged Black Panther and he won. Like he should be the Black Panther. He won. And then just because like you know Black Panther was pissed that he's like not a great guy. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. What works is that if you want to lead uh, Wakanda, you beat the Black Panther in that battle without his powers. He beat the Black Panther without his powers. He should be the leader of Wakanda. Like that's just how this shit should work. Just because. Well, Black but Panther... to be just like Jamal Adams, though, to be a real leader, you have Doesn't to matter. be a leader. But that's not how and this works. And he didn't end up being like he. Nobody wanted to follow. It's not a democracy. Him. That was the problem. But it, but that's the thing is Wakanda's not a democracy. It's you win that battle and then you're the leader. If you're a schmuck, fine. If you're a good guy, fine. But if you win that battle, you are the leader. He won the battle. He should have been the king of Wakanda, and that's it. And then Black Panther, the um, T'Challa goes, does whatever the hell he wants to do. But I'm sorry, like that. That annoyed me a little bit. I thought some of the um, the storyline, like I just again, I wasn't that big of a fan of Black Panther. I honestly wasn't. Right. I wasn't that big of a fan of it. That's fair. But overall, I think that these rankings are are solid. I'm gonna cool. give you give you credit for that. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen all of these movies either. I've it's probably... worth it. It's on Disney Plus. It's worth you it. have what twenty? You have them all ranked, which goes how deep? 20? I have to. I still have to do the next, the latest Spider-Man, even yeah. though I've seen it. I've seen that movie twice, but I still have to rewatch it and rank it. The issue was you couldn't uh, rent the movie when I did these rankings originally. All you could do was buy it, and I'm like, I'm not buying Spider-Man for twenty five bucks. I'm sorry. So, I've seen all the movies in your top time. ten, and Blackwood. I, I still that, have to watch too. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Um, I've fallen off. Um, and who knows when I'll get to them at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's uh, I think that's it. Anything else, Marissa? Are you missing anything? Have a good weekend. I have a lot that, of people blocked. This is going to take a while. You should be. There should be an all unblock button where it just sets everyone free yeah. with one click. Just like free them all. Right. all. We're doing it. All right. Everyone's well, coming out by of the time... Yeah, Connor will be done unblocking people by the time we talk to you again uh, next Tuesday, I think. We'll talk to you then on the Can't Wait Podcast.